Thank you for listening to a Praise Chapel Kingman podcast. If you need any information about our church, or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at praisechapelkingman.com. Praise God. Thank you, worship team. Wasn't that great? Sense the presence of God moving and helping us. God's so good, isn't he? Tell somebody he's wonderful. <clears throat> Pastor Poole will uh, be in the pulpit next weekend. Uh, uh, but just before I get into preaching, we are going to receive communion together in just a bit. But I have a, a, just a little bit of a kind of a sad story to open up with. It's about two blondes. <clears throat> And they were driving to Disneyland, and the sign said, Disneyland left. So they started crying and headed home. (laughs) Scraping the bottom of the barrel for that one, folks. What can I say? But we are, we are going to receive communion together. Uh, uh, it's going to be a time of, of remembrance, and not only a remembrance, but also looking ahead. Uh, because I want to talk this morning for a bit before we receive communion about something I believe we need to give more attention to in our lives, and it's this statement. Jesus is coming. <laughs> Now I want you to tell yourself, tell somebody, hey, let's tell the devil, Jesus is coming. (laughs) And not only is he coming, but he's coming quickly. And uh, I know that some of you may be here thinking, well, people have been saying that forever, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. But, you know, we need to be careful not to be scornful of his soon return. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3 and 4, it says, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last day, walking according to their own lust, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. And so the Bible does predict that in the last days there'll be people that will just be saying, oh, yeah, people have been saying Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming forever and forever. But you know, today, I want to say it, Jesus is coming, and Jesus is coming quickly. Now, when I say that, uh, some people may get a a little nervous because they're thinking, you know, I'm going to predict a day or time or an hour. And so I want to settle your nerves today. I'm not going to get weird and predict a day. I'm not going to predict an hour or a time because uh, Jesus said, no man knows the day or the hour. It's amazing to me over the years how many people have made false predictions of the day that Jesus was coming only to have that day come and go. 
But in spite of all of that, even though people have been making false predictions, I'm not making a prediction of the exact day. All I am saying this morning, and I believe I'm standing on firm scriptural ground, as I'll show you in a few moments, I believe Jesus is coming, and he's coming quickly. And I'm going to tell you why. The reason I believe Jesus is coming quickly, for one, is because of the signs of the time. All throughout the Bible, there are prophecies that have been spoken of what would happen before Jesus came. Now, uh, Tom Frank is a uh, man in our congregation, many of you know. He has made it a, a lifetime pursuit of studying Uh, last day and end time prophecy. He has written a book about it, and I'm going to share several things that I uh, got from Tom about these last days that we're living in. And one of the major signs of the last days, or that Jesus is coming, is the city of Jerusalem. In Zechariah chapter 12, verse 2 and 3, it says, "...and I will make Jerusalem like an intoxicating drink." that makes the nearby nations stagger when they send their armies armies to besiege Jerusalem and Judah. On that day, I will make Jerusalem a immovable rock. In other translations, it, it writes it as a burdensome stone. All the nations will gather against it to try to move it, but they will only hurt themselves. Now, this is a prophecy of Jerusalem's importance in the last days. Uh, uh, it is, uh, Jerusalem is the most holy or one of the most holy sites of the world's three major religions, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. And this is the reason why there's so much antagonism between the Jews and the Muslims over Jerusalem. It's because both of them recognize it as a very holy site. And so there's contention. There's antagonism over Jerusalem, especially East Jerusalem, where uh, for the Islam, they have a holy site called the Dome of the Rock. Uh, it's in East Jerusalem is the site of the old temple and the wailing wall. And so the Jews and the the Muslims have been struggling and wrestling over Jerusalem for uh, so long a period of time. This is also why there was a major outcry when President Trump recognized Jerusalem as the eternal capital of Israel and uh, decided to move our embassy there. And despite whatever political opinion you may have, presidents in the past, in, on, in both Republican and Democratic presidents, have, have recognized Jerusalem as Israel's capital. They have uh, spoken about moving the embassy there. It's just more kind of happening now. Uh, Because of this, there's been a great stirring in the Muslim community and the radical, especially Muslim community, uh, against Israel. Turkey's president called for an army of Islam to arise and attack Israel. 
And so if you're interested in end-time prophecy, I want to encourage you to keep your eye on what's going on in Jerusalem and throughout the nation of Israel. Another sign of Jesus' soon return is what's going on in Syria. Jesus was talking about the last days in Matthew 24, and he said, you will hear of wars and threats of wars. Now, the civil war that has been raging in Syria for some period of time has become one of the greatest humanitarian crises in history. Whole cities, and if you've seen some of the footage on the news of whole cities that have been absolutely laid waste and demolished, 500,000 people have lost their lives. 12 million people have been displaced from their homes. And we know of what's going on in Syria and, and all that is happening there and the crisis of that nation. Isaiah prophesied about the day when the capital of Syria, Damascus, would cease to exist. In Isaiah chapter 17 and verse 1, it says, This is the message that came to me concerning Damascus. Look, the city of Damascus will disappear. It will become a heap of ruins. Now, this is speaking of a day that's still yet to happen. But because of the unrest and the civil war in Syria, there's been such a drawing of nations into that conflict. Tom Frank sent me the following statement and something that I didn't realize about Damascus. It is the longest continually inhabited city in the world. Yet the prophet Isaiah tells us that one day this city will no longer exist. Syria is experiencing this unending civil war as several world powers, including the United States and Russia, are being drawn into the conflict. And so those of us who are interested in the last days and end times prophecy needs to keep our eyes on these two cities, the tale of two cities, Jerusalem and Damascus. Now today, there are too many prophecies uh, about what would happen before Jesus came. Uh, for me to go into all of them, we would be here for days, and I know some of you are already having your stomachs grumbling about uh, lunch, and so I'm going to keep this down to a few minutes. But in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 7, Jesus said these words, nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. I believe that Jesus is coming and that he's coming quickly, partly because of what we see happening in the fulfillment of end-time prophecy. But listen, the main reason I believe Jesus is coming quickly is because he said he is. <laughs> I think that's fairly safe ground to stand on. If Jesus said it, I just believe it. In the last chapter of the Bible, 
which we could call the closing or ending statements of Jesus in his word in Revelation 22 and verse 7, verse 12, and verse 22, Jesus said these words, I am coming quickly. And so if you want to know why I believe Jesus is coming quickly, it's simply because he said he is. He clearly, and I know, I know that people are thinking, you, you think, you know, well, he said that 2,000 years ago. His idea of coming quickly and my idea of coming quickly are obviously different. But listen, Jesus clearly intended us to believe he could come back at any time or in his words, quickly. Tell somebody quickly. The fact that Jesus hasn't returned simply means that we are that much closer to him coming back. An important aspect this morning of our faith or our belief system in Jesus Christ should be his imminent return. That means at any moment he could come. You and I, as God's people, are meant to live in an expectation that Jesus could come at any moment. Now, I want you to say it with me, at any moment. This was obviously Jesus' intention. He said in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 42, Watch therefore, for you do not know the hour that your Lord is coming. In Mark chapter 13 and verse 35 through 37, Jesus said, Watch therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming. In the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. Now tell somebody, watch. We are meant to live in an ever-readiness, ever-watchfulness expectation that Jesus could come at any moment. The early church believed this. And even in their greetings, when they would go to church, they would greet each other with this name or this word, Maranatha, which means the Lord is coming. So if, if it was like us uh, outside of church, when you came in the doors, uh, I was there greeting a bunch of you, several others were greeting, uh, and we'd say, hey, how you doing? Uh, bless you, or whatever. Hi, brother, hi, sister, call you by name, or whatever. That's our greeting. But in their, their day, uh, they would greet each other with Maranatha. And what it meant is they believed that the Lord could come at any moment. Maranatha, the Lord is coming. And today I want to declare to all of us and try to build up our sense of expectation, Jesus is coming. I don't know if you heard me, but I said Jesus is coming. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse... 16 and 17, Paul is writing, he says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. With a shout. 
You ever wonder about that? When the Lord comes back, he's coming with a shout. I wonder why he's coming with a shout. Why do you and I shout? You know, when I, sh- I shout when I get excited. How about you? I think that the, not only are we looking forward to Jesus coming back, not only are we in expectation of his coming, but I believe that when Jesus comes back, he's coming with a shout because he's excited. He's receiving his bride. The church is the bride of Christ. He's coming back to receive the bride to himself. That's you and I as God's people. And he's coming back with a shout because he's excited. Now, the Bible doesn't say what he is going to shout. We don't know what he's going to shout. I don't know what he's going to shout, but I got an idea. I got a thought that it may be just something as simple as, I'm back. (laughs) I can tell you this, if that's what he shouts, you know what we're going to say? We're ready. But he's coming with a shout with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Those family members, those loved ones that have been buried are are going to be risen up first. And then Paul continues with a sense of expectation as he writes these words in verse 17. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus shall we always be with the Lord. Praise God. You know what that tells me is that Paul and many of those first century believers believed that they would be alive to see Jesus come back. They lived with that sense of expectancy. And you and I, 2,000 years later, even though time has passed, again, it simply means we're that much closer to his return, and we are meant to live with a sense of expectancy that Jesus could come at any moment. There was an old Scottish preacher named Robert Murray McShane. I believe he was preaching back in the 1800s. And and, uh, he had that that, uh, uh, Scottish accent, you know, as he was speaking. And so he invited a group of friends over to his house one night. And he thought maybe they were just kind of lackluster about the things of God. And so he asked them the question. He said, do you? He asked each of them. Do you believe that the Lord could come tonight? And each one of them would reply, I think not. He asked another, do you think the Lord could come tonight? And then they would say, I think not. And they continued on like that, answering him. And so he turned in his Bible to Matthew 24, verse 44. There be you also ready for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. We need every one of us as God's people to live with a sense of expectation that Jesus could come at any moment. We need to anticipate that. I wonder today how many of us really do live with a sense of anticipation that at any moment Jesus could come. We need to. And we need to for several reasons I'm going to just touch on briefly this morning. And the first is it will affect 
how we live. It'll affect our lifestyle. If we believe that Jesus could come back at any moment, it'll affect how we live our life. In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 3, it says, And everyone who has this hope, talking about the hope of his return, in him purifies himself even as he is pure. I just tend to believe that if we live in a constant sense of expectation that Jesus could come at any moment, then it'll affect uh, how we live our lives. It'll affect our behavior. It'll affect uh, uh, what we do with our time. It'll affect how we treat each other. It'll affect our whole life uh, knowing that at any moment uh, Jesus could come. And I don't think we'll want to be doing anything we wouldn't want to be doing if he came at that moment. I just think it'll affect our lifestyle, don't you? Then secondly, it'll inspire us to help others get ready. If we really believe that Jesus could come at any moment, then we're going to want our friends, we're going to want our family, uh, even people we don't like very much. We're going to want them to be ready for when he comes. And we'll begin to share Christ. We'll begin to talk to people about what he's done in our life. You know, you don't have to know uh, a lot to win somebody to Christ. Can I tell you what your greatest uh, uh, thing that you could ever share? And that is simply what Jesus has done for you. The greatest thing that you have in your life uh, is your testimony, what God has done for you. And you may be a little nervous about sharing Christ with others. You say, well, I need to, I need to know the Bible better. Or I need to know uh, uh, end-time prophecy better. Or I need to know so much more before I share Jesus with others. Listen, there was a demoniac, a guy that was cutting himself with rocks and living in the tombs. Uh, running. He was, uh, I call him the original streaker. He was was the first guy running around uh, in the tombs naked and and all that just completely out of his mind one visitation of the son of god and the bible shows him sitting and clothed and in his right mind and he said jesus i want to come with you and jesus said no i want you to go back and tell them what great things god has done for you listen If a guy with thousands of demons who just got delivered and clothed in his right mind has the ability to go back and tell other people what God has done for him, surely you and I have the ability to share Christ with somebody, right? And if we believe Jesus is coming back at any time, we'll be wanting them to be ready. Finally, If we believe that Jesus is coming back, it'll give us hope. We need hope. We live in a time where our society, we have so much stress and pressure on our lives. And I know that many of you came to this service this morning and you've got uh, issues that you're dealing with in your life. You got difficulties in your families. You got 
uh, job circumstances and financial pressures and and uh, things going on between you and other people and stresses and pressures and and uh, maybe you're dealing with a health issue or something like that. And uh, there are all of these things that we face in this life and difficulties. Uh, but listen, every one of us as God's people needs to carry with us uh, a sense of hope. Amen. Sense of hope. And if you're going through something today that's rough, if you're going through a bad time right now, I have a word for you, and that is, it's not always going to be this way. Jesus is coming. It's not a pipe dream. It's a living hope. In Titus chapter 2, verse 13, it says, Looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. You and I are meant to be looking for that day, the day when Jesus comes back. The Bible calls it our blessed hope. That word hope means a confident expectation of good from God. And I'm here to tell you today, you and I have something to look forward to. I'm looking forward to the day when Jesus Christ will come again. I'm looking for that time and that day when we'll be going home. Every time I go uh, on an international trip, I'm gone for several weeks and and you know, I, I enjoy going. I enjoy preaching overseas. I, I love uh, what God's doing in Africa, and I always enjoy going. But you know what? I'll be honest with you. Uh, one of the best parts of that trip was coming home. <laughs> oh, man, after, after about two and a half weeks and I get home, I, I'm looking forward to seeing my wife, Cindy. And she greets me always with a big old smile. And it's a, oh, what a homecoming. I, I enjoy going, but I'm telling you, I enjoy coming home. <laughs> Can I tell you something about our lives with Jesus? We are, have to look forward to a great homecoming. Yeah. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. And the day is coming when Jesus is coming back with a shout. And we're going to be caught up together with him to meet the Lord in the air. And the Bible says, and thus and so we'll always be with the Lord. No more sickness, no more pain, no more heartache, no more death. No more struggles, no more bills to pay, no more rent to pay, no more mortgage payments, no more car payment, truck payment, scooter payment, whatever that payment may be. Everything's been paid for in heaven. No more utility bills. The lights are always on in heaven. No more heartache. No more pain. No more struggle. No more disagreements with people or each other. No more failures in our life. We'll be absolutely perfected the moment we're there. The Bible says, as he, as he is, so are we in the world. But we're still wrestling with some stuff here, aren't we? The moment we enter into heaven, the Bible says, we will be absolutely like him. <laughs> 
we will be perfected. No more, no more temptation. I look forward to that day, don't you? No more disagreements with people. I look forward to that, don't you? No more people saying things uh, that offend us. No more us saying things to people that offend them. I look forward to that. A homecoming. And the Bible says that he's going to put a crown on every one of us. And then it shows us in the book of Revelation that we take those crowns and throw them at his feet. Because you know what makes heaven heaven? Jesus. And there's a day that's coming and coming quickly. We, every one of us, needs to have and live with a constant expectation that Jesus could come at any moment at any time. You know what? It wouldn't offend me at all if I didn't get a chance to, to finish this service out. Praise God. Uh, it wouldn't offend me if we weren't able to receive communion down here. We'll just uh, do it at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Can you say amen? The day is coming, and it's reality. And I know that there are a lot of people in the world that are scoffing and saying, oh, yeah, people have been talking about Jesus coming at any time. And I'm not predicting a day. I'm not predicting an hour. No one knows. But I do know this from the Word of God, and that is that every one of us needs to live with a sense of expectation that Jesus could come at any moment. I'm telling you, just as sure as he came the first time, He's coming back. Can you say, I believe that? that. Praise God. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. This is our hope and our strength. We're going to receive communion together in just a moment. I'd like for the ushers to go ahead, if they would, and prepare for that. And before we do, though, the only requirement for you to receive communion here this morning is that you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And if you come to the service today and you've never given your life to Christ, or maybe you have at one time or another and you're just not right with God, as every head's bowed, no one looking around for a moment, you'd say, you know, would you include me in this prayer, this prayer of forgiveness, so that I could know that my sins have been forgiven and have the confidence and assurance of that. Nobody looking around for a moment, would you just lift your hand up? You you say, include me, please, in this prayer uh, for forgiveness. God bless you. God bless you. God God bless you. I see your hands. God bless you. Honest hearts. Amen. Amen. Praise God. God bless you. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray together, and I'd like for you to just repeat this prayer with me out loud. as, As I pray, you pray along with me. Let's just pray this out loud. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming, dying on the cross so that I could be forgiven. You shed your blood so that I could be forgiven of every sin. And today, I receive your forgiveness. Come into my life. Come into my heart. Thank you for making that real in my life today. Thank you, Jesus, for preparing me for eternity with you. I believe that I will spend my eternity in heaven with you because of what you did 
for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for making it real. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Our ushers are going to pass the uh, cups out this morning. If you would take those, there's actually two cups stuck together, a cup and a cup. The top has the juice. The bottom one has the bread. And just be careful as you take those out of the uh, trays there. If you take them and then just hold them. Thank you. Just hold it and we will uh, receive communion together after everybody has been served. It's a great day, isn't it? Jesus is coming. It may be today. I look forward to it, don't you? In the 1 Corinthians, chapter 11, verse 23 through 26, the Word of God is talking about communion, and He says these words, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you drink or as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. So communion, what we're doing, Jesus said, this do as often as you do it in remembrance of me. So it's a time and this morning what we're doing is we're looking back to 2,000 years ago when Jesus bore the sacrifice for us when his body was broken for us. Isaiah 53 prophesied and said that by his stripes we would be healed. In 1 Peter, he says, by his stripes, taking up that prophecy and says, by his stripes we were healed. We're looking back when Jesus' body was broken for our healing. And I want to encourage you, in a moment we're going to pray over the bread and receive it together. And those of us here this morning that you are dealing with something physical, uh, an an ailment, a sickness, or maybe it's a long-standing thing, a pain, or or maybe you've been had a diagnosis from a doctor recently that's very concerning, uh, from from a headache to the worst diagnosis you could receive. Listen, Jesus' body was broken by his stripes. We were healed. And I want to encourage you. We're going to believe God together and see the healing that Jesus purchased for us 2,000 years ago made real today. Can you say amen? Amen. Maybe you have a troubled mind. Jesus' body was broken for our mind. I thank God that he uh, put my mind back together. (laughs) I, I I had a troubled mind. I had troubled emotions when I gave my life to Christ in 1975. I was a messed up camper, but Jesus set me free, gave me life. Is there anybody that has not yet been served, but you would like to be? Our ushers are looking for you right now. If you'd hold your hand up so they could see you, make sure you're ready. Praise God. I want you to hold that piece of bread. We're going to pray and believe God, and I want to encourage you. Uh, 
maybe this has been a long-term thing that you've been dealing with. And maybe you've been prayed for before. I want to encourage you again this morning to simply believe. Only believe. Only believe. Dare to to trust. And let's trust God together uh, for healing to flow by His stripes. Can you say amen? Let's believe together. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you and thank you for your sacrifice for us. Thank you uh, for your body that was broken for our healing. And today, as we have gathered together, we speak life into bodies. We speak healing into and, and take authority over infirmity, every sickness, every pain, every growth, Lord. Today, God, we speak healing to troubled emotions and troubled minds. We thank you that by your stripes we were healed. I want you to say this with me. By your stripes... I was healed. Thank you, Jesus, for paying the price so that I could be whole. I received this bread in faith, trusting that you are my healer. Thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's receive the bread together. Jesus took the cup and he said, this is, this is my covenant, my blood of the new covenant. And thank God, the reason why we are here today in this service is because Jesus shed his blood so that we could be forgiven. There are those who may have received that forgiveness for the very first time this morning. Thank God for that. There, there is nothing in life like having a confidence and assurance that we are right with God. And you know why we're right with God? Because Jesus shed his blood 2,000 years ago. And there's not a one of us here that needs to leave this place this morning with a guilty conscience. There are things that all of us have done. There are things that I have done in my past that I would never want anybody else to know about. You know what? You need not know about it. You know why? Because Jesus shed his blood forgave me, cleansed me, washed me. Thank God he takes away our shame, doesn't he? And so I want to encourage all of us this morning. Maybe there are some things from the past that still trouble you. And you know what? Today, because of Jesus' shed blood, we can walk with a clean conscience. We can walk in confidence with God. We can come before God at any time for anything because he paid the price for us. He made us right. We have the righteousness of God through Christ. Isn't that right? Because he shed his blood. And so today as we receive the cup, we're going to pray and believe God. And as we are praying over this cup, I want to encourage you. Maybe you have had a troubled conscience about things. And maybe there are things that you would never even want anyone to know about. It still kind of troubles you in your mind. And today I want to encourage you to allow that to be just put under the blood of Jesus and not bear the weight of of that sense of guilt or shame any longer. You know why? Because he paid the price so we could be free. Thank God for that. Thank Jesus for that. Amen. Let's pray together right now. Jesus, we do look back in remembrance 
of the price you paid for our forgiveness. Thank you for a clean conscience. Thank you for removing shame from our lives. Thank you for that wholeness that has been brought to us because of the sacrifice that you bore. And today, Lord, across this building and in our lives, Lord, we uh, remember the price that was born so that we could be free and walk in a clear conscience, walk without that sense of shame because of your blood that was shed for us. As we receive this cup together, we are doing it in remembrance of the great sacrifice and price you paid for our freedom. And we declare, I want you to say this with me, I am free by the blood of Jesus. I am forgiven by the blood of Jesus. My conscience is clean by the blood of Jesus. I am no longer shameful because of the blood of Jesus. I thank you, Jesus, for your blood shed for me. Amen. Jesus took the cup and he said, drink all of it. Let's receive together. Praise God. You know, I just sense, a, just sense the freedom and presence of God in this place, don't you? I want to ask you to do one more thing. Let's stand to our feet. We, we have looked back in communion and remembering what Jesus did for us. We're also looking ahead. Uh, we do this as often as we do this. And we proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. And I want to say it again this morning. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Will you say it with me again? Jesus is coming. Praise God. And you know what? I think we just in anticipation of that day, he's coming with a shout. I think this morning it wouldn't be a bad thing if some of us just gave him a little bit of a shout in looking forward to his return. Let's give the Lord praise and thank him. Thank you, Lord. We praise you for the reality of your coming. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your healing. Thank you for removing shame. Lord, thank you for your life in us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Now somebody say, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Looking forward to that day, aren't you? God bless you, our prayer team. Thank you for listening to the Praise Chapel Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.